a CDI podcast. Effects of climate change have been hard to miss across North America and Europe record heat, wildfires, and warming oceans. On Thursday, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the world has entered the age of global boiling. We begin with the extreme heat. That extreme heat. Relentless heat wave. To the extreme heat. An unbearable heat wave. For vast parts of North America, Asia, Africa, and Europe, it's a cruel summer. For the entire planet, it is a disaster. Welcome to the Heat Waves of Change, a climate democracy initiative podcast. My name is Portia Cook. And my name is JJ McKinney. And we are the host of the second episode of the Heat Waves of Change. As we introduced in the last episode, and if you haven't listened to it, we urge you to do so, we focus on the fact that we cannot solve the climate crisis without first fixing our democracy. We see it as a flip side of the same coin. And in CDI's podcast, we bring together people that have important discussions about our democracy and the urgent climate crisis we face. Our goal is to explore these topics together and gain perspective on how we can confront today's climate crisis with the tools and knowledge that we need. CDI strives to protect and evolve democracy in order to mitigate and manage the mounting impacts of the climate crisis. We convene people, communicate priorities, and catalyze solutions to respond to our global emergencies. We do this working with people in and across society. And today we're talking about faith. Just as families like you and your loved ones come together to navigate life's complexities and unite in solidarity, faith plays a significant role in our collective journey to confront the pressing issues of our time. Today, we'll be talking with Terry Hobart from the St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Denver. Reverend Hobart is a student and practitioner of mystical Christianity and holds a BBA in accounting from Bay University and a Master's of Divinity from the Church Divinity School of the Pacific Course. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Great to be here. It's nice to meet both of you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful day out here in Denver, and it's going to be an even more beautiful conversation. With all that being said, are you okay if we just get right into it? Let's do it. All right. So just to get us started, we really wanted to get in and get your perspective about some thoughts. So an often underappreciated aspect of the battle against climate change is the significant role of faith-based contributions to the cause. We have a compelling clip from Al Jazeera that delves deeper into this topic, and we were very eager to share it with you if you would love to take a listen. Great, let's do it. Calling on the world's faithful to join the fight to solve the climate crisis. 40 religious leaders gathered at the Vatican on Monday to add their voice to the growing chorus, calling for world leaders to take real action to tackle the crisis. The Catholic Pope, Pope Francis, called the meeting, but preferred to let others speak. I call on all young people, regardless of their religion, to be ready to fight against any action that may damage the environment or increase the climate crisis. Now, reflecting on the impactful clip we just witnessed from Al Jazeera, it beautifully showcases the unity of various religious leaders urging others to join forces in combating our ongoing climate crisis. 
Now, building upon this example, let's dive a little bit deeper. Terry, considering the pivotal role faith leaders play, how can faith communities bridge the divide across our country and build a shared awareness of the need to protect our planet and democracy? Well, that's not a big question at all, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if there's an exact answer to this, but, you know, maybe you could shed some light. Well, I don't think there is a specific answer, but I do think that the faith community has a lot to add to this conversation And, you know, we have many diverse traditions, but there are certain core values that seem to unify all of our traditions. And there's this this deep understanding that we are all part of an interconnected web of life and that the earth, the animals, the plants, we're all part of that same web of life. So what affects one of us affects all of us. So the faith communities have often held that up as a value as, um, as, a, as a sacred task for us to care for not only the least among us, but for our planet as well. And so I think in many ways, what we want to do as faith leaders is to get back to our, to our essence, to our core values, to the concept of love and interconnectedness, and, and maybe stop spending so much time and energy on that which divides us. You know, this all reminds me of a Buddhist concept that presents a unique perspective on the interconnectedness of all existence. Let's take a listen to this clip from Nishiren Buddhism on the concept that further explains the interconnectedness of life. The concept of Achinan Sanzen is a profound teaching in Nichiren Buddhism that unveils a deep understanding of the interconnectedness of all existence. Derived from the writings of Nichiren Daishonin, This concept asserts that the entirety of the universe is encapsulated within a single moment of life. Within this single moment, three realms of existence, the realm of the environment, the realm of living beings, and the realm of the mind converge and influence one another in intricate ways. Now, I didn't grow up very religious. My mother was a Jehovah's Witness, but she kind of wanted to give us an opportunity to choose for ourselves. So she provided us with really the basics of Christianity and encouraged us to explore other religions if we were curious. Now, regardless of the specific religion I explored, I always found a fundamental idea of interconnectedness and treating others with love and care. And it's actually quite fascinating to explore deeper into the concept of Ishin and Sanzen within Buddhism, as it offers a profound perspective on the interconnectedness of all existence. Now, this concept asserts that the entirety of the universe is encapsulated within a single moment, which is truly a remarkable idea when you think about it. The notion that within this single moment, the three realms of existence, the realm of the environment, the realm of the living being, and the realm of the mind influence one another in intricate ways is actually quite thought-provoking. It highlights the interplay and the interdependence of everything in our universe. Now, the concept appears to emphasize the significance of being aware of the interconnectedness of these realms and recognizing that our thoughts and actions have a ripple effect not only on ourselves, but on the environment and other living beings as well. It also suggests that our mental and emotional states are not isolated, but are actually a part of a larger cosmic web of existence. This teaching encourages us to be mindful of our thoughts and our actions and they can potentially create positive or negative effects, not just in our immediate surroundings, but on a much grander scale. In the context of climate crisis, the interconnectedness becomes particularly relevant. Actions taken in one part of the world can have far-reaching consequences globally. For instance, carbon emissions from one region can contribute to climate change affecting ecosystems and communities worldwide. 
Recognizing this interconnectedness emphasizes the importance of collective responsibility and global cooperation to address climate change. It encourages us to consider how our individual and collective actions impact the environment and all living beings. Now, in a democratic society, the interconnectedness of individuals and communities is a fundamental concept. The decision made by governments and policymakers affect the lives of citizens and the broader society. Ishinin Sanzen's idea of the convergence of the realm of the mind could relate to the diverse perspectives and beliefs held by citizens in a democracy. It reminds us that the thoughts and choices of individuals collectively shape the direction of a democratic society. Therefore, the concept encourages a thoughtful and mindful approach to civic engagement, where individuals consider not only their interests, but also the greater good. In essence, Ishinen Sanzen invites us to cultivate a deeper awareness of our interconnectedness with the world and to take responsibility for the energy we bring into this interconnected web of existence. It's a concept that can inspire us to lead a more mindful and compassionate life, recognizing the profound effects our thoughts and actions can have on the tapestry of the universe. Now, Terry, in today's increasingly distracted world, how can we effectively rekindle our awareness of our interconnectedness and our shared obligation to care for one another, our planet, and its resources? Well, I do think this is one of the, the probably the primary roles of the faith community is to call people back to that vision and to remind people, you know, who we really are and to remind people of the power of love. Um, you know, we all, we've often lost sort of the significance of what love really is, right? We see the bumper stickers, I heart you. Yeah. <laughs> right? But really, I think in the mystical traditions, love is like this cosmic universal power. It's generative and it's creative and it pulsates through the universe, right? It's, it's the power that's going to bend the arc of the moral universe back towards the earth. And that is, I guess you'd say, our secret weapon, regardless of what faith tradition or beliefs that you come from. And, and we, I think we forget that. I think one of my um, favorite quotes that I, I actually brought to share with you today is by a Jesuit, um, Teilhard Chardin. And he says, um, someday, after mastering the winds, the waves, the tides, and gravity, we shall harness for God the energies of love. And then for a second time in the history of the world, man will have discovered fire. Think of the power of that. If we could actually begin to bring ourselves and our communities in alignment with this power of love and let it flow through us in order for us to actually act from love rather than fear or scarcity, we then begin to bring about a world based on collaboration, based on abundance, based on sharing and nurturing. And many, um, many traditions actually talk about this world in the Jewish tradition, they talk about the reign of shalom. In the Christian tradition, we call it the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, right? In the Buddhist tradition, there's a fabulous eco-activist, um, Joanna Macy, and she talks about the great turning, this time when the great darkness descends and people of all faith come together to raise the consciousness of the earth in order to move into this new time. And so I feel like it's really incumbent on us as faith communities to rise above the noise, to like really reground ourselves in the heart of our tradition and to call people, call people to that vision, call people to hope, call people to faith, remind them that, that this is like hard times, but this is also birthing pains for a new world. And we may go kicking and screaming, right? <laughs> but the world is going to force us, and we can exactly. we can we can make a choice. We can, you know, we can create camps and build walls, and we can fight each other, 
or we can actually work together and find new ways of living lightly on this earth exactly. and lifting everyone up. I feel like that's the role of the, of the faith community is to hold that vision, hold that banner and call people to it. In an impactful message from Bishop William Barber, we are reminded of the enduring promise of life, liberty, quality, and justice that lies at the heart of our nation's values. The call for unity and collective action to protect and uphold these principles resonates deeply with the ideals upon which a society is built. Let's explore the significance of these words and the relevance in our ongoing pursuit of a just and inclusive society. When we join hands, we can revive and make sure that the promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and equal protection under the law and care for the common good will never be taken away or forfeited for anybody, anytime, anywhere. So together, the rejected will revive the promise that this land is your land and this land is my land. Together, we have to make sure that hope, not hate, has the last word in the state house, in the White House, and even at the ballot box. Together, we have to ensure that all of God's children are respected and treated with dignity. I grew up as a Southern Baptist, so I grew up in that Christianity sense. And there's definitely a lot of mentioning of just healing, not only of one another, but then healing the planet as a whole. I kind of got to see it too. You kind of gotten off that track. Hearing Bishop Barber had me reflecting on my youth in the church and the different people that I came across. It didn't matter if you were black, white, brown, straight, gay, cisgendered, or transgendered. You were always welcomed in the doors of my church and loved completely in the eyes of God. In that essence, this land is your land, and this land is my land couldn't have been more true. To me, my faith meant total acceptance and unconditional love for all. Now, I know my experience doesn't reflect everyone else's individual experiences with Christianity, and to be honest, it'd be pretty ignorant of me to think so. But I am so grateful and happy to know that it is possible to believe in the hope of a higher power and that the teachings of said higher power can bring unity rather than division, love rather than hate. If we want this country, this planet to survive, then putting our physical and spiritual differences and any negative bias we hold towards each other aside is a mandatory task. Can you go into more detail about how that's kind of reflected in the way that we look at things, especially when it comes to just healing the planet in that sense? Well, that's actually one of my favorite sermons to preach. And and, and just so you know, I, even though I'm an Episcopal priest, I actually grew up as a Southern Baptist. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll bring up some Bible verses for you, but you'll 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 recognize right that that love con conquers all 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 fear, right? And that the antidote to fear really is love. You know, so that going back to what I was saying is is holding on to that as as this power because I think that's exactly what's happened. We've gotten so busy and so ungrounded, and we just we like we're contracted, right? And when we're contracted, when our hearts contract, like we tend to like ground ourselves in fear. Mm -hmm. We tend to ground ourselves in scarcity, and then we begin to build walls. And then the more we separate ourselves from each other right? The worse and worse it gets. And so I really think that, you know, in many ways, you know, like this, this idea of, of connecting ourselves to a power greater than us and allowing it to like make our choices, our decisions, our words, our actions, if they're like inspired by love, right? They're going to draw us back into community. 
right? When we know each other and we know each other's joys and we know each other's pains, when we walk across the earth and we actually take time to smell the flowers, right? And listen to the birds and appreciate the interconnectivity. Um, I, I had this great opportunity um, maybe 10 years ago to spend four months living in the rainforest. Oh, wow. And in, in Ecuador, in the headwaters of the Amazon. And I lived with, with a tribe that their entire day, each day was foraging. They foraged for their food. They foraged for their medicine. They foraged for their shelter and for their clothing. And when you're able to be out in the rainforest in that type of way to see how Mother Earth really provides everything that we need, you begin to see the earth differently. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you begin to respect the earth differently. And so I, I think that our life has gotten too fast. Our priorities are too shallow, right? And as, as the earth changes and begins to take these things away from us, we have an opportunity to reground ourselves in the things that matter and learn how to care for Mother Earth and for each other. I recognize that in myself every single day as a parent of two children. I work two jobs, I go to school. Sometimes I really don't know how to slow down and I think so many people can relate to that. I think it takes a lot of work and it takes being very, very intentional to try to minimize everything that we're doing on a daily basis and kind of just get back to those basics. Stop and slow down, enjoy the grass on our feet or just feel the breeze. The little things that anyone could enjoy, like smelling the flowers, like you said. And I think we've gotten so far away from that because of the way that our society is set up. It's so fast. It's so quick. And we're all striving for this end goal of this dream life. And in the midst of it all, these small, meaningful things are passing us by. And a lot of us are caught up in survival, too, just simply trying to survive on a day to day basis. So I think if we can all be intentional about slowing down, enjoying more outside time, enjoying time with our friends and our family, we can develop that appreciation again. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's another thing that faith communities have to offer is that we all have our core spiritual practices. And you say the word spiritual practices, and it sounds really intimidating. <laughs> I'm not a spiritual person, but really, I mean, these are just these are ways of living that, draw, that actually help us to ground, to slow down to connect with what's around us and to expand our consciousness. You know, so the spiritual practice of Sabbath, to take a day each, each week and celebrate, celebrate the people around you, celebrate the earth, celebrate the relationship with the divine and take it all in and rest and be nurtured. If we can teach people how to like, you know, take up the practice of silence, take up the practice of meditative walking, take up the practice of, you know, intentionality, um, those are all just tools that we have to offer to help us to actually change the way we live on the earth and the way our perspective and what motivates us and drives us. There is a purpose and a reasoning behind everything, and it's a circle of life and everything flows naturally together. That has been completely disrupted here. Yes, and, and I think that's really that that's what we need to remember, right, is that we are part of a web of life, not the, you know, the dictators of the web of life. Everything isn't here for our use, right? We are here to actually be an input into that, right? We will benefit from it, but we also have to give back and be stewards and care for that. And so to like reposition our role as humanity and understand that we're just part of this wonderful creation, this dream, this experiment called Earth. Terry, in this iconic excerpt from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s historic speech, we are reminded of his unwavering faith in the transformative power of unity and collective action. 
His words resonate as a powerful call to action, urging individuals to come together and work towards a brighter future, where freedom and equality are not just words, but living realities for all. Let's go deeper into the significance of his message and its enduring relevance in today's world. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day when all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Martin Luther King Jr.'s words in this clip encapsulate the essence of his dream for a more just and harmonious society. His emphasis on faith, not just religious faith, but faith in the capacity of people to come together and transform their nation is a powerful message. He speaks of transforming the tangling discourse into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. This metaphor beautifully conveys the idea that even amidst division and discord, it is possible for individuals to harmonize their voices and work together towards a common goal. This message is particularly relevant today. His call for people to work, pray, struggle, and even go to jail together underscores the sacrifices required for social change. It's a reminder that progress often demands personal commitment and a willingness to endure hardships for a greater cause. In the context of today's climate crisis, Dr. King's emphasis on working together, struggling together, and making sacrifices for a common cause is particularly relevant. Climate change is not just a one-person take-on-all. It's a global challenge that requires an effort from individuals, communities, and nations alike. Just as Dr. King envisioned a harmonious society arising from unity and collective action, addressing the climate crisis calls for international cooperation with people from diverse backgrounds and nations coming together to combat a common threat. Moreover, Dr. King's call to transform discord into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood can be applied metaphorically to our approach to climate action. Instead of viewing climate change as a divisive issue, we should seek common ground and collaborate across political, cultural, and economic boundaries like the different instruments in an orchestra, if you will, working in harmony. Individuals and nations can contribute their unique strengths and resources to address the climate crisis effectively. Now, we all know democracy thrives on the principles of equality, justice, and the collective voice of the people, just as Dr. King envisioned a society where all individuals could sing with new meaning about the freedom and equality of their country. Democracy aims to provide a platform where every citizen's voice is heard and valued. However, today's democracies often face challenges such as polarization, disunity, and the erosion of trust in institutions. Dr. King's call for unity and faith in collective action serves as a reminder that in a democracy, citizens have the power to shape their nation's course. It encourages us to work together, even across political divides, to strengthen democratic institutions, promote social justice, and ensure that every voice is included in the decision-making process. In essence, Dr. King's message transcends time and context, offering a timeless blueprint for addressing not only issues of social justice, but also complex global challenges like the climate crisis and the preservation of democracy. How can we discover our place within the individual natural order and let go of the need for control? 
recognizing that we are an integral part of the system rather than its master? Yeah, I mean, that's that is really the question. And and there's a gajillion answers. Right. And there's a gajillion um, self-help books <laughs> that will tell you how to do that. Right. But right. But the answer is how do we actually do it? <laughs> Right. And one of the things that I often share with my congregation is I can't change anything but my own heart. Right. And I think that all of this work that we're doing begins with us committing to changing our hearts and and the practices of slowing down. I think a, a great practice to adopt is just a gratitude practice. You know, there's been so much, so many studies that talk about if you just take up a simple gratitude practice for 40 days at each night before you go to bed, just, you know, name or write down three things for which you're grateful. It literally changes the chemistry of your brain, right? Because you begin to look at the world to notice things that you're grateful for, right? So like when we eat, to be grateful to the earth for producing it and to the people who produced it, right? And I do think that it helps to be able to do it at least with a few friends or in community, right? And it doesn't have to be a church or a mosque or, you know, a Buddhist temple, but there's there's different communities that call to everyone. And I think to be part of an intentional community that will help support practices, then helps us to begin to change our own hearts. And as we change, we walk on the earth differently and we actually do begin to like plant seeds of transformation. Those are what influence other people. And I think that's really the role of the faith, faith communities to say, you know, we can do big things as long as we remember we're little people. Something that I've started to implement with my own children, just a reminder that there's something greater than us. So often we tend to have big egos at times and it's always a good reminder to humble ourselves and take a moment to appreciate the body that we are living in and the ability that we have, the opportunity that we have. And even while our day-to-day -day may be a struggle, just trying to find gratitude and being thankful for the things that we do have. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's just fabulous. And, and you know, most traditions will talk about 40 days. There's always this period of 40 days to take up a practice because it takes 40 days to build a habit or to change a habit. And so that's something I think everyone can take up is just a commitment to look, name three things they're grateful for for 40 days and okay. see what happens, right? I mean, we'll, we'll, the world will evolve one little step at a time. Terry, ending on that note is perfect. That is a great takeaway. And for anyone listening, asking themselves, well, what can I do? Where can I start? Because it is a big question. It can be confusing to understand where to go or where even to begin, especially in such a fast paced life. So starting with trying to pick a couple of things out that you're thankful for and showing gratitude every single day, whether it be in a daily affirmation or before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning or even when you're driving to work in your car, just trying to find something to be thankful for. And then I would just add is and dare to believe in the power of love. Terry, this was wonderful. What a great conversation. It was an absolute pleasure having you here with us today. Thank you for your insight and for your willingness to come in and speak with us. I'm so grateful to all the work that you guys are doing um, to, to really lift these issues up. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thank you so much. JJ, what a great discussion. I will say one key takeaway from today's conversation that deeply resonated with me is the importance of slowing down in our increasingly fast-paced world. Balancing the demands of work, college, and motherhood has led me to prioritize slowing down and living more consciously. And this extends beyond personal well-being. It's also about making a meaningful contribution to society and our planet. 
And I have recognized that it's the small, meaningful moments that significantly impact my daily routine, whether it's taking a few deep breaths before driving into work or savoring a quiet moment with my morning coffee. These practices help me maintain a sense of grounding amid the chaos of everyday life. Now, as a mother, I firmly believe in leading by example, regardless of our religious or spiritual practices. My goal is always to instill in my children the values of mindfulness, sustainability, and conscious living. This involves not only making eco-friendly choices and supporting sustainable practices whenever possible, but also fostering an environment of love and care for not only ourselves, but also our neighbors and the planet that we call home. You know, but like all of us, I still have a lot of work to do, but I do look forward to continuing on this path and this journey of slowing down and dedicating more time to doing what I love and contributing to my community, all while staying true to the values of mindfulness, sustainability, and compassion that will hopefully guide my journey. Very well said, Portia. I think the key takeaway for me is the message of love among all spiritualities. I've grown up in a time that is arguably more divisive than the 60s. I lived through the war on terror, a pandemic, an insurrection attempt, and I'm only in my 20s. In all of that turmoil, it was so easy for people to find reasons to hate one another. And the God they believed in happened to be a very popular one. So imagine my very pleasant surprise hearing that religion and the planet can be a topic where people of all faiths can agree that loving the earth that we are blessed with should be prioritized first and foremost. Terry's wisdom really struck a chord with me today. In most of the scriptures I've read, whether it was from the Bible or the Quran, there was always a focus about the beauty of nature and the connection one should have between God and the planet. Terry seemed to really preach that philosophy of love and mindfulness, and you know, I think I'm going to start doing my best to practice and preach it too. In a world often characterized by division and misunderstanding, the importance of leaving with love and cultivating empathy cannot be overstated. Our community leaders have demonstrated time and time again that these qualities are not only powerful, but essential for creating a harmonious and inclusive society. Leading with love means approaching every interaction, decision, and endeavor with compassion and care. It's about recognizing the humanity in each individual and striving to understand their perspectives and needs in order to create a more inclusive and just future for all of us. That's all for this episode of Heat Waves of Change. My name is Portia Cook, and I want to thank you for joining us in the fight against the climate crisis while we work to make democracy stronger. This is only the first step, and it's really important that we lend a helping hand to make sure our planet has a clean and green future. We can all rise to this challenge and start making environmentally friendly choices today, getting involved with our local politicians and doing our best to bring meaningful change. In the meantime, supporting local climate nonprofits, starting eco-friendly projects, and taking action yourself to mitigate the effects of the climate crisis, you can make a difference. More people are becoming concerned about the future of our planet and the state of our democracy each and every day. That is why it is so important that we all use our voice and exercise our right to vote. Your voice matters. And by casting your vote, you have the power to actively shape climate policies and elect leaders who truly care about ending the climate crisis. To register to vote, go to vote.gov and join us as we help create a greener, more equal world. If what was said today inspired you to directly support the Climate Democracy Initiative, you can visit the links in the description where you can find more info about our cause and even send in donations. Until next time, stay safe and remember, the clock is ticking and the future of our planet and the state of its democracy lies in our hands.